yeah, I remember that episode. I remember where I was the time of day. Like I, I don't know. And I was like, Oh, this Doug guy sounds cool. And then I like went on your blog and like scoured your blog. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Doug show. My name is Doug Cunnington and that was Rob Atkinson, one of my good friends that I have known for a few years. And he was talking about the first time that he heard of Doug Cunnington, which sounds weird because, you know, I'm just a normal, normal person, you know, but I, I happen to have a blog and Rob found that blog like in 2014 after hearing my appearance on the Niche Pursuits podcast with Spencer Hawes. So, He checked out some of my content, shot me an email, and then we've basically been friends ever since. We have been in a couple mastermind groups with various people over the years, and you may remember Rob from a few things. So number one, he and I did like some coaching sessions, um, which I published on YouTube. These were were very rough, rough cuts. Um, Basically, he and I are talking about scaling his business, which he has done. He was featured other times as a success story when he hit $2,000 a month, when he hit $15,000 a month. And I think the last time that we talked to him, he was at around 20K plus per month. And at this point, you know, I haven't had him on the channel or the podcast or on the blog because he's been busy working and doing things and that sort of thing. So I've given him space. And, you know, again, at this point, we're, we're not sharing his exact um, revenue or income. I ask him about it and he explains, you know, kind of the position he's in, but he's doing really well. And um, at the end of the episode, I have a voicemail that was sent in. So you can have a listen at that. Um, pretty, pretty cool. Um, longtime listener. Someone's making good money and they are, they just have a few questions. So we hit that towards the end. And thanks again to Rob, by the way, just a little shout out. He's not promoting anything. You can't follow him anywhere. We just like talking. So this is one of those deals where it's like you're sitting in the room with us. We're catching up. We haven't talked to business in a while. So we just talk shop and catch up a little bit. And you're joining us for the ride. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here from Niche Site Project and The Doug Show, and I'm sitting with my good friend, Rob Atkinson. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. And it's been a while since we caught up, and we we are friends, and we, we ping each other every now and then, but we haven't talked business or had any updates in a while, so I hardly even know what you're working on. Um, so we're going to, we're going to do an update, um, overall, you know, what you're up to and stuff like that. But for the people that don't know you, can you give a little intro, like who you are, what you're doing now, and maybe, you know, your old, your old life, your old corporate life. Sure. I guess I'll start with the old corporate life. So, um, did the normal path, went to college, was doing accounting, got a job out of school, did that for two or three years, didn't like it found out about this internet marketing thing, started doing it on the side, built a couple of sites, got some revenue rolling, told my wife at the, or my girlfriend at the time, I was like, quitting our jobs, we're moving to Chiang Mai, Thailand, we're doing that digital nomad thing, quit, the, quit our jobs. My sites actually tanked like the day after we got married, so I went to zero income. Then we hooked up and we did some interviews on your site back in the day, um, and then from there, I was just growing affiliate sites, kind of got that to a nice baseline. We lived abroad for a while. Um, and then that brings us to today. I'm pretty much solely focused on one large authority site, although I do work with a couple of close friends or acquaintances uh, where we do sort of these like JV sites. And yeah, that's about it for now. Okay, cool. And everyone, if you're interested in seeing some of those like interviews and coaching things from back in the day. Yeah. These are like old school. Like if you think these are rough interviews, uh, those were really rough. Um, and I mean, really it was just like looking over our shoulder where, um, our shoulders where you and I were like trying to figure out how to like scale your business. And I guess, you know, looking back at your, your corporate career, like were there many skills that were like, very transferable from 
like the accounting world over to like what you're doing now? I think yes and no. Um, broadly speaking, no, because accounting is so black and white. It's like it, things either tie out or they don't. Right. Um, whereas internet marketing was such a struggle when I started because it was like, there's no answer to how I perfectly optimize content. There's no roadmap. There's no answer. So that was a bit of a struggle, but I think having like the overall understanding of how like the numbers work, reading financial statements, like broadly understanding the connections of how business works and flows really helps with just general mindset, I would say. Cool. And when you and I were doing those early coaching sessions, there's about six or seven of them that are freely available on the YouTube channel. I'll link them up in the description and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of that was about like scaling the business because you had figured out um, how to recover, you know, after um, I think it was a Google update mm-hmm. or a Google penalty in September of like 2014, roughly. Yep, exactly. And essentially, well, a lot of us got hit around that time period. It was a, it was a transition point for many of us. Um, so you got hit pretty hard and we were, we were figuring out how to replicate your success with like one or two sites and how you can, again, scale up and develop a portfolio of sites. So if I recall, you were, you were going to like launch a site every month or every quarter or some interval and then you know, just have a bunch of them. So what happened with that? Did that work? Um, kind of like launching a lot of sites allowed me to kind of just see which ones were trending the right way and which ones were the winners. Uh, and then from there they got more focus, more focus, uh, attention on them. But in all honesty, try, like you can scale a lot of every business. And I scaled like we all did like, got rid of all these tasks that we should not be doing. But there is an element in SEO that I believe, and I'm kind of struggling right now within my business where it's like the further I get out of the SEO and keeping up with the trends and these little things, it really is hard to do it at an elite level. Uh, And then also trying to find people to do it at that level uh, who have that passion that you have is really, really challenging. So it's, it's not impossible. I think there's just elements of SEO that are challenging the scale. Yes. And it was, I mean, I, I didn't know how it was going to work out. I, I didn't do anything like that, but I knew how to scale a system. So it's, it's cool that you were able to do that. Now um, you mentioned that you're focusing pretty much on one site. So how yep. long have you been focusing on the single site? Yeah. So that was launched uh, January, 2017. So I guess that puts us, we're recording this, can I say the recording date? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> October 2019. So we're almost going on three years, which is pretty crazy. Nuts. And it, at that point, I kind of remember because we were finishing up, you and I sold a site together. Yep. So Project yep. of White Hat, people can look up um, that whole ordeal. Um, so you and I were basically finishing up that work, even though it took a few more months to sell it. Um, and you had some bandwidth and I think, Probably I'm putting words in your mouth, but you enjoyed working with a partner, you know, because yep. it was such a good experience working with me. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm just looking for a compliment. Uh, no, it, it was, uh, we can talk about that later if you want, but yeah, okay. for me personally, like working with a partner, just, it creates another level of accountability. And, you know, I was driven to like build more sites and create and grow my portfolio, but it's still at the end of the day can be challenging, um, for motivation because, you know, sometimes this isn't the most inspirational stuff we're doing. Uh, so it was great to have a partner, both you and uh, my current partner. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. And, and it was good working with you. I was going to say like I, the accountability is big. I mean, I think we're both like uh, motivated and obsessed. So even when the motivation like is, is kind of uh, dwindling or we have an off day, we're really into the work. Um, yeah. but having the the partner where you're like, I'm going to do X and like, we're going to bust each other's balls if, if you don't do it. Um, yeah, I can't, like I can't show up to the next meeting saying I was supposed to do this and I didn't do it. Like I, I can't do that. 
and I, I haven't had a partner for anything for the last uh, almost three years. And I've basically just been like, eh, whatever. So, <laughs> um, you get it. You get yeah. It. So, anyway, so you've been working on this one site. And basically, I mean, it, it took off and it was clear that you should work on that one site. You could yep. kind of ignore the other ones, even if they were doing really well, right? Yep. Yeah. So, actually, like, I had a little bit of a portfolio. I still have like one site that um, generates, I haven't touched it since then and it's still generating. Uh, but I actually had another site in this same niche as the one site I have now, completely ignored it. And it's pretty much, it's fizzled out, but it's okay. Okay, cool. And people want to know, can you reveal any like revenue stats or kind of where you're at right now? And total, totally would respect if you, if you can't reveal that, but, um, how are things going? Uh, things are going well. I prefer not to share like actual numbers, but, um, I think when you had me back, what was it a few years ago in your course videos or something like that, I was at about 30 K I'll just per month. I'll just say it's, it's continued to, to rise, um, pretty nicely. Awesome. And, um, with that said, um, I know that, you know, you have an authority site. It's a pretty big site out there. Like what's the team look like right now? And you have a partner. Um, yeah. What's the team look like? Yeah. So we've, I just checked on our Slack recently. We have 26 people, but I think maybe about half of those are full time. And within the, that half are maybe us based and half are like Serbian and, um, and Portugal and different parts of, of Europe and stuff like that. And we have one or two from the Philippines as well. So it's just kind of a, it's a mixed team and half are part-time. I already talked about that. Okay. So that's, that's a pretty big team. Like how, how is it organized? So I imagine you and your partner are somewhere at the top of the pyramid there. Yeah, kind of. So he's, uh, he's really good at technical aspects, um, you know, site speed, design, um, those type of things. I'm more kind of the, in the operations, uh, day to day sort of things. Okay. And then as far as like a reporting structure, um, you must have some managers in there cause it would be kind of a nightmare to have like a flat yep. org chart with 26 people. So how many managers are in that? All right. So, um, my partner manages like kind of the lead content manager who then manages, um, uh, kind of our YouTube and our kind of con- our content lead, I guess you could say. And then those people kind of manage the writers. Um, so that's on one end on my end, I directly manage the one main SEO person that I've taught. Uh, and then under there is like our person who puts together our checklist for our SEO team, our does on page and does stuff like that. Cool. And there's also outreach department. Um, there's another guy that manages the outreach department and then there's like a lead outreach manager and some, some other staff there to help send emails and craft pitches and stuff like that. Okay. And yeah, let's move into that sort of outreach area. There's a, there's a lot of folks who are, especially on the YouTube side, there's quite a few people who are like, um, you know, you don't have to worry about building links. Um, links are, are fine to have, but they'll come naturally and so on and so forth. And I, I kind of remember like you were scaling pretty quickly um, during the outreach period, actually right on the coattails of yep. Project O White Hat, where we were like figuring out what was working really well. So do you think those links help you in, in the site, like get out of the sandbox and, and get, uh, I guess, rankings more quickly, get earnings more quickly and just launch fast? I, I do. I think outreach is the way to go these days. Um, from what I've kind of gathered from friends about in the SEO community, kind of what's going on and with a couple of sites that I have with some JV partners, just some smaller scale sites, starting to see that PBNs, especially with during launch time, just aren't working the way they used to. And I think Google's just getting a little bit better at wanting to see new sites get guest posts or get natural outreach links 
from sites that have traffic and stuff like that. So I think it's all about trust factor, especially early on. So I think you do need them. And I think I would avoid anything like PBNs early on, especially. Okay. And I, well, I'm not, I haven't, I haven't used PBNs in a really long time. Like we don't use it for our main site. And if I were to launch any other sites right now, I do not plan on using PBNs. Cool. And, and I don't either. And for people that don't know, that's private blog networks. And uh, generally, it's like a link, link scheme where you're, um, you know, finding expired domains that have like good authority or so, like a good backlink profile and then getting links from them. And, and Google doesn't like it. So you can get a penalty from it. And that's I mean, I think that's, you know, the five or whatever penalties I, I've gotten in back in the day yeah. were from PBN. So and do you believe your issues were PBN related back in the day? Yeah, that one we were talking about September 2014, it was completely PBN related. So, okay. Yeah. They're, and they're, they're just, they're just, they're, they used to be worth it if you were willing to kind of roll the dice a bit back then, but I just don't think they're worth the time anymore at all. Yeah. It takes a, quite a lot to manage uh, a network it can be a little expensive yeah. and to do a good job, it can be very expensive. But the, I think the, the worst part about the PBNs is, um, aside from the penalty, which is obvious is it feels like you're getting a lot of work done and you may be learning from some people who are probably selling you some sort of product <laughs> related yeah. to yeah. implementing a network. And then, um, you're doing a ton of work, you're spending money and then you don't get the results at the end of the day. It just feels like you're busy. But you don't get yeah. the results. And, and another thing, it doesn't really feel like you're building sort of a real business or you're, I mean, I understand there are elements of SEO. You need to like take advantage of these hacks and optimize and you can't just pretend everything's going to be rosy. But at the same time, it's like, if this is the way you're trying to build like your business long term, it just doesn't seem that great. Yeah. If, if an update can wipe you out or if someone like discovers your network, then that's an issue. Like if it's that simple, cause it's not that hard to find and uncover right. someone's network. If you go, you know, hunt around for it. So from like a outreach perspective or like launching a site perspective, um, do you have like a blueprint or like a couple like bullet points where you're like, Hey, if I'm launching a site, um, I want to get X number of links and I want to publish this much content and I want the links to kind of go here and there and that sort of thing. Do you have anything in mind you can just spit out? I might give a really unpopular answer, which is because I've been so focused on that one site Uh, And what I talked about earlier about scaling and kind of getting myself out of a lot of the day-to-day, I honestly don't think I'm as sharp with SEO as I used to be. And it's kind of led me, inspired me to kind of do these smaller projects. So I'm in the middle of launching a couple of small-scale sites and trying to kind of piece together what it takes to be successful at launch. What we're going to do is go guest post. We're going to be very stringent on like the number of – monthly estimated visitors, whether like through Ahrefs and kind of the trust factor of the sites, um, not doing, we want to make it look like the, the link was, I guess not guest post, not sponsored, like really natural looking. Um, and just try to maybe go a little bit slower in terms of like how many links we choose, but really go for like links that look really legit to Google. Got it. And you said it's mostly based on like organic search traffic because that implies that Google likes the site and they like what they're doing. Yeah, that's and that's my general theory of why I think the PBNs for launch aren't working because they generally don't have the traffic and they don't have the trust. So, yeah, yes. Okay. Perfect. And by the way, I've talked to a couple other SEO folks who are like more in the trenches of like doing consulting or agency work or something like that. And this reflects exactly that. And when you look at some of the guest posting services, you're doing it in-house because you have a staff, but the guest posting services like uh, Loganics and the Hoth, which I've been testing quite a bit in the last six months or so, they've shifted over from the old DA 
uh, model, mm. um, this domain authority from Moz, if people uh, don't know. Um, so instead of just like a metric from a company that can be pretty easily manipulated, they're going off of organic search traffic, which is based on rankings, which that's yep. pretty accurate. Like you, you can't cheat that on multiple tools. Like it's right. just not possible. Cool. It's a sign yeah. of a good healthy site if you're getting traffic and stuff like that. So perfect. And do you have like a guide on like where you're sending the links? They go into the home page or inner pages or I like I've always liked the idea of kind of like home page heavy first, just because you can it's easier to send links with the anchor text with your brand name. So trying to get that trust, trying to get Google to identify, hey, this is the name of the brand. Links for a new site probably generally go towards the homepage. Like if you have a best article and your site's one month old and you get a link there and you're like ranking number 100 because you're a fresh site, like how does that happen? Like it just doesn't. So try to kind of follow like logically like how your links might start at the beginning. You're out hustling, trying to connect with bloggers, trying to be on forums, you're going to get homepage links probably. Yeah. And it sounds like uh, the branded anchor text. So for like niche site project com, it would be niche site project. So those are the kind of anchor text that you would want to send to the homepage. Yeah. Any variation you can have the com at the end. Um, another thing we're considering, uh, one thing we saw in last year's algo update from like August, 2000, 18, I think it was. So this might not be anything, but we saw a lot of sites do well that had a weird amount of links going to their about page. So because they had a really uh, legit about page with different people and their owners would like go out and be like being referenced and being sent the links to the about page. So I think it's like over the top extra credit. You don't need to do it to have a site successful, but I think it all turns points towards like trust, anything you can do to do the thing that the SEO minded person wouldn't do. All right. Gotcha. <laughs> well, it, it's they so wouldn't fun. waste links on those. Right. It's so funny. Um, because when you, when you hear, uh, like I'm, I do a lot of YouTube stuff and there's a lot of yeah. sensational, just everyone's looking for a shortcut and a lot of it just doesn't seem like it's going to work. And like, like you said, it's like the counterintuitive thing. I think on niche site project, I actually have a decent number of links going to the about page, which I'm like, yeah, that's weird. But (laughs) you know, as I've developed, uh, what was that? It's really not that weird in the natural world. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, yeah, like fight your, um, like, like your, like cheating SEO instincts or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like SEO, you kind of have to play, like, you have to play the long game. And if you think you're going to rank your best whatever article by doing, like, the most aggressive thing, it's usually better to just kind of try to be a little bit more patient, take a little bit longer. Once your site has that trust, I mean, you can do a lot of things and get away with a lot more things, I think. Well, let's move into that. You're you're setting up perfect segues for us here. So is there like a guideline, like how many links do you want to the homepage or is there some amount of time before you'll start, um, you know, getting links to some inner pages? I think it's just a case by case basis. Like if you're sending a lot of, so what I mean by that, if you're sending a lot of links to the homepage and a few months have gone by and you see generally all your keywords are starting to rise consistently, that consistently, that's what you're kind of looking for. You're kind of like Google is starting to trust us. If you can wait until one of your best or money articles, review articles, has started to pop near page one or getting a little bit of traffic, I would wait until about till that point to send your link as long as possible because that page is getting traffic, which means people are viewing it, which means getting a link to this commercial keyword is likely in the real world. You know, if you're still ranking number fiftieth, number fifty, and you're not getting any traffic, like Google knows that we want to rank these keywords. Like, what's the odds a link could go to that page? Can you link that page and be successful? Maybe, but try to, again, try to be patient and try to wait to see if you can rise up before you send a link to a specific money page. Okay. And then you threw out like 50th, but I guess as long as you're getting a little bit of organic traffic to a post, then it's... Ideally, in an ideal world. Like, if a link accidentally went to that page and you went... Like, I don't think it's a... 
a deal breaker. But I think SEO nowadays is one of those, one of those things where it's like there, it's hard to isolate what's going to work and not work. So you almost have to check like 200 boxes. So for me, I'm just going to try to do everything I can right, even if it might be a little excessive. Cool. And and that sort of brings me to like some of the recent algo updates, um, yep. algorithm updates. So a lot of them, I mean, really like in the last, I would say year and a half, it's been almost impossible to like pinpoint. I feel like that. Yeah. To one thing. So there's the, um, you know, EAT. So the expertise authority and mm-hmm. trust update, and then a lot of sort of mini updates related to it. But, um, it's been super hard to tell what's going on. So have you had any impacts from like the updates in the last year, say? All right. So last year, our site around that August 1st one, we were at kind of peak traffic, traffic, August, 2018. We kind of took a tumble around September, October of 2018. There were more updates around then. And we lost, so we went from peak to losing about 35%, I think. And we just tried everything, you know, from November, December, January, February, all the things. And just, we were just kind of, we felt like we were sort of just demoted and we couldn't really do much to improve. Then randomly on March 12th, there was a big update and we're up 40%. So we got it all back. And then, um, this most recent one, I think was about three weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, we lost about 15%. So from our high of August last year, we're probably down about 10, 15%. So it's just been up, down, up, down. And like you said earlier, I I can't really pinpoint anything. Interesting. And did (laughs) did the revenue hit follow along pretty closely with the traffic? Yeah, I would say it was uh, pretty pretty even with that, yeah. Okay. And was it like a panic um like when you lost that 35 percent like mentally what were you going through we were like surprisingly calm i would say i mean we were trying to do everything we could to improve um but we were operationally still really sound with our numbers um like it wasn't you know digging into our our team at all we were still profitable and things were still going fairly well uh but anytime you lose 35 percent, it's kind of like what's going on um, we do have, uh, my partner does have this like theory that I don't know if it applies to our industry or it could be kind of what's going on with these updates, but he's convinced there is no real rhyme or reason. It's almost like these subset of sites like perform well for a while. Oh, they've been tuned too well. We need to like bump them down a little bit. And for the end user for Google, like they can't really tell the difference between the site that's ranked two and four, like they're almost the same thing. So it's kind of like a market share and you can't have one site be too comfortable at the top for too long or else it's just not going to work for Google's plans. Interesting. Well, in that, I mean, I've had, I'm not the only one, but a theory of like some randomness where it's like randomness. Yeah. I mean, it's almost a commodity, right? Like the information is pretty good on most of the sites. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, I see exactly <laughs> what your partner is saying, where it's like, yeah, a little shift is not going to be uh, detrimental. It's not going to destroy their Google's search product. Yes. At all. So they're just It's going to mess with our lives. Right. Which they, they don't care about. <laughs> well, they don't. Yeah, they don't want us to do good with SEO. Like, if we master this thing, there goes AdWords, right? So. That's true. That's true. Interesting. Um yeah. So, and just to make sure I, I got it, so like you, you guys took the the hit, uh, traffic and revenue dropped, but yep. you guys were, uh, the margins are good enough that it, yep. like your staff was okay, you didn't have to adjust uh, in a major way. Nope. We kind of went on as normal and then uh, just got lucky on March 12th where it came back. That's crazy. I'll have to, I'll have to look back. Like my... Um, some of my traffic has had little ups and downs, but it's more like in the five to eight percent range. So I could see okay. it, but yeah. it's not. Again, it's hard to decipher like exactly what's going on, and then depending on how many sites and how many pages you have, and the ability to track exactly what's going on. Because at some point, 
um, yep. you, you kind of would lose track of what's, or I, I do, I don't keep track close enough. Um, but how, how many pages and posts are on your site? Mm, I think R- maybe roughly. like, yeah. I think like over 700. Okay. Yeah. We've been pretty consistent to do like five posts per week. Um, we had a goal last year of getting it up to 20 per day, but it just didn't seem like it was, there's other things we could do and spend our time and energy on that seemed better than that. Okay. That would be, you said 20 per day. Oh, sorry. 20 per week. My bad. (laughs) My bad. I was like, man, that's quite a shift. Um, all right. So you have about 600 ish and uh, something like that, several hundred over 500, we'll say between 500 and a thousand. Um, what's the approximate length of like, you know, the big hitters? I'm just curious about word count. Word count, uh, you know, for like the, the big best, whatever keywords. Yeah. Um, our main one is huge. Like kind of our main keyword portal page that links out to all the subtopics. Uh, I think that one's like 10, 12,000, but generally speaking, I'm going to say most of the heavy hitter best pages are maybe 5,000, okay. 4,000, 5,000, 6,000. Yeah. All right. And then did they start at that length or did you add to them? Um, is there like a minimum length that you like publish something and then you go back and iterate on it? Those particular ones, because we knew they were pretty valuable. I think they started pretty high. I remember four or 5,000 being kind of the normal, the norm. Um, we don't really go back that much. We've added to some, but it hasn't been a really consistent thing. And then most of like the average best, whatever type articles, I would say are more in the two to maybe 3000, maybe 4,000 range. Okay, cool. And do you have any display, uh, type ads or ad network type ads on your site? Nope. Okay. And I'm asking, uh, I've had a couple, um, like, great interviews recently with uh, Ron Stefanski and then uh, John Dykstra over at Fat Stacks blog and mm-hmm. uh, Ron's over at One Hour Professor, but they do ad-based sites. So they're in like, you know, huge uh, traffic volume. They're making, they, they publish their income reports. So that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why it's a great interview is, um, <laughs> you know, one's at uh, like 20K a month roughly and the others are like 40K a month, like net profit. But you're uh, sticking generally to like product reviews, so you have a specific, um, you know, affiliate offer or whatever that yep. you're you're targeting. Okay, cool. And because you know um, how valuable it is, you don't want to put any ads up because it wouldn't it wouldn't pay as, as much as you need. Well, I've been tempted to do it. Um, my partner's quite against it. Um, thinks it might slow down the site taint our brand, those kind of things. So, um, it would be more money on the table, but we just kind of shelved it for now, I guess. Okay. That's funny. You mentioned that. I kind of want to do it, but I'm not like, I'm not really hurt to the point where it's like, you know, we have to do it. Cool. And I was going to say, I, you know, I like a fast loading site (laughs) and I was testing some display ads and it's so slow. Like I looked yes. what was happening and I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm just going to turn it off. And my sites load about like in one second, unless it's like a ton of images that I didn't optimize properly or something like that. But like right. when you load display ads on your site, like it basically kills any kind of optimization that you've done. So yep. And the, the brandability and stuff like that is depending on what you're doing may or may not be important. Um, obviously, you know, the people that I mentioned a minute ago, um, they're putting ads on like, that's why they created the site. They know they can get a ton of traffic and it's optimized for that. Even though it loads slow, that's just the name of the game for what they're doing. So cool. Now from an on-page perspective, yeah, let's switch to on-page. Um, do you have any like you know, must have things for on page. You don't have to go through the whole checklist that your team has, but are there a couple things where you're like, if you, if you could do these, you know, four or five things, right. You're going to be like 80% of the way there. Yeah. I mean, Hmm. If you get the URL and the keywords in the URL and the, the ghost title, whatever you want to call it, SEO title, your H one, 
Um, you know, this is really basic, like, you know, long tails in your headings and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I think honestly on page, like we've chilled out a little bit from the days. I don't know if you remember if I've ever ever talked about it, but we used to be pretty dang crazy with like our keyword density and stuff like that. Um, we've kind of like relaxed on that and more natural. Um, so yeah, I don't really have a, a ton to say. <laughs> so well, and I'll read between the lines. So well-written tight grammar, get a couple keywords in and be mindful of subheadings. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can, if you can really, you know, make sure that your content is hitting on the topic well, like whether you have a good researcher or you have a really good writer, like before I would just slap up anything. I think if you're having like really irrelevant, like sections on your thing, just to like make it longer and stuff like that, I almost think that's like, not the way to go because Google for a while was really saying, Hey, let's have the longest content. I don't really think it's about the the longest. It's just like hit on your topic the best, I guess. Yeah. It's really, I, I kind of remember those days and I shifted some s- stuff around even on like niche site project um, where I had, I don't even know how long it was say 15 or 20,000 words on like one post. And then it didn't, it didn't work. So I divided it back up into like the most logical way. Um, I actually set up like a silo and it did much better. Now, do you, do you guys do silos and that sort of thing? Yeah. So for like our bread and butter kind of silo, it's really quite structured. That's what I was talking about with the main page. It's like 10, 12,000 words organized by H2s, H3s pretty well. Um, then from there it links, there's a couple of categories that have, um, you know, sub sub, I guess it's well linked and stuff like that. So to what you just said about how you went back and shortened content, I think that's huge right now. I think Google's really like, you're going to put together a site, even if you're not going to rank maybe for that, like that huge parent topic for a few years, cause you're trying to go with the smaller keywords. I would still, I would suggest put it there and still like have the shell of a good organization. Cause I think Google's really reading into how you set it up from a site perspective. Cool. And it goes without saying, um, cause I know what a silo is, um, yeah. but basically you're architecting the site in a logical yes. way. Think of like a table of contents in a book and then you're able to like, um, I guess put the chapters and the, the the sub chapters, yep. I guess in the right spot. So you're doing that and you're interlinking in a very intentional way. Right. Yep. And did you start the site doing that or did you have to re-architect um, a few things once you got the lay of the land? We, yeah. So the answer, we grew into it. So we didn't really have that much of a structure and then kind of like grew into it. Um, but I think the landscapes changed from three years ago. Again, do you have to build the perfect structure to like launch a site and be successful? Absolutely not. But I think the sooner you can kind of develop that, the better. Okay. And I don't want people to get too uh, like scared because here's no, one thing I that I, yeah. I did. Um, sorry, Robert, were you going to say something more? No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to scare people because like you can literally do nothing I've said and your site will still be fine. So just disclaimer. <laughs> And yes, it, like you can, yeah, you can kind of be messy and like unorganized yes. and then come back and fix yes. things up once you see how it's working. But one thing that, that I did back in the day, and you, you may remember this from our multiple like mastermind groups that we were in, but like I would architect the site and then like it'd be pretty rigid and then you try and build it out and then you're kind of in infle- Like I was sort of inflexible. I was like, okay, well, I, I planned it this way. I have to do it this way instead of thinking, mm-hmm. Hey, I, I messed up um, earlier and I need to re-architect it now and fix it up. So like, it's okay. You could always go back yeah. and fix it. So absolutely. Yeah. Especially, you know, if you need to merge pages and do stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Cool. And I'm just curious from like your day-to-day um, like operations and stuff, like kind of what, what does a day look like? Say like an average day for you. Well, Mondays is the day I do all, all my phone calls, one to one-on-ones uh, with my partners and stuff like that. 
Um, so Monday is kind of a, a wash for me. Uh, other than that, it's trying to kind of keep up with the day to day. There might be, you know, we've with some of the American uh, workers, we've actually transitioned to like payroll and stuff like that. So for a while there, there were some headaches with that stuff. Uh, I would say a lot of my day actually now just came to my mind is I'm constantly trying to figure out how I have to stop doing something again. So <laughs> if it's like something repeatable, like, hey, how to pay this re- expense reimbursement or do something like that, I spend a lot of time trying to like get out of those things as well as brainstorming just like new initiatives where we can spend like our energy on our site. Um, you know, for example, we've got like our top five revenue pages and we've been really poor at putting a lot of energy into them. So we're going to kind of come together and I'll lead a project where we're going to put on page focus onto these five pages. We're going to talk to outreach really like systematically try to build more links because we've just been very like relaxed about it and the competition's kind of beaten us a little bit. And, um, so yeah, that's my day to day just kind of as random different projects. (laughs) Gotcha. And how many people like report directly to you? So the SEO girl uh, is really the the one main report. Then she's got people under her. Uh, I do have my longtime VA for a few years. She's kind of like my uh, admin personal assistant. So I'm still doing a call with her because a lot of the instructions uh, I can't really give to anyone else. And uh, then I do a call um, with the partners. And then, so it's like, it's like three calls every, every Monday. And then sometimes I'll do, I have a couple of sites that where I've partnered with a buddy who we have a, uh, a setup with, and I might do a call every few weeks with them. Gotcha. And then what, I guess, what's the goal? What's the ultimate goal? Do you have like a clear I don't know. path? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That's what I would say if someone asked me to. It's like, you know, the, it's one thing, you know, personally just to keep growing and to, keep improving and learning new things, getting these different things off my plate so that the team below me can, uh, you know, ultimately kind of keep growing and learning new things. It's interesting. Once we had, like, I was really opposed to having a larger team. Um, but since we have really good people and I'm not really managing that many people, like I don't really talk to a lot of the people on the team and, and not that I don't want to, but I'm not like managing how to do the one-on-one. So it's been a lot nicer than I thought. And once I have, once we've had this team, you almost feel compelled. You have to grow because if we're not growing, these people are going to get disinterested. They might go somewhere else. And it's almost like this responsibility. So I guess to answer your question, we're just trying to grow. We're exploring uh, new avenues. We do have this one new test site we have going on. I'll keep it pretty vague, but we acquired this expired domain with insane metrics like crazy and we're repurposing it and out the gate the site's ranking really well we're trying to grow that site so another authority site number two but to answer your question i really don't know (laughs) keep growing and do interesting work yeah yeah keep it interesting how about that cool um and i guess you know some people are probably thinking if you are, if you guys are doing that well, like why not get into some sort of physical products? Obviously you thought know. about it. <laughs> okay. So like, why did you decide not to do that? Well, it's not that we're not going to do it. That's been talked about and still an option that we'll consider. I think we'd like to get this site still more running without us. It's come a long way, but I think it's, pretty continual uh and our involvement is still enough to where i really struggle once once i get uh when i split my time in any way shape or form so if i'm not obsessing about like one thing or if i am obsessing about one thing it makes a new project hard so i just don't think i could be successful doing that because learning a physical product is going to be so many new things i have no idea about right now got it totally makes sense um Cool. Well, are there any other things where you're like, Hey, this is really uh, cool. And I want to talk about it like, that I didn't ask you about. I thought about one thing. Yeah. So like our new link building strategy, uh, we're calling it content marketing, but it's, uh, basically just going out there, 
uh, and trying to create these beautifully like beautiful resource pages that are kind of like link worthy that like these groups of people want to link to. Um, I'm not really involved in how we pick these topics and stuff like that, but it's been really fun to just create like these amazing piece of content that you then do outreach for that people, instead of like having to bug for links, people are like happy to link to you. Um, and for full credit, like we got the idea from siegemedia.com. So, you know, if anyone wants to check out their YouTube channel, they kind of explain exactly what they do. They give it away. So if you're an SEO, you can kind of figure it out from there. <laughs> cool. And, um, I guess just at a, at a high level, it's like you make something so awesome that the, the audience, the other bloggers that are out there looking f- for good resources, yeah, they're like, yeah, this is great. We were looking for something like this. Okay. We have, we have to link to you. Yeah. So that's been our core link building strategy. Um, that I think's uh, been pretty cool to work on and see just amazing content out there from our site. So very cool. Well, Rob, thanks a lot. Um, if people want to find you and if you don't want to be found, I respect that. But if people want to find you, um, is there anywhere that folks should go? I don't know. Where can they go? Um, they could go to the comments on the YouTube video and maybe find you lurking in there. But I imagine um, you'll just bounce in there for the 15 minutes that I ask you to do it. But uh, other than I'll that, come back. I'll okay. come back. Yeah, cool. just, just just remind me that I should go back. I'll be back. And tell me when it's posted. Yes. Yeah, we can totally do that. Um, yeah, because Rob's so busy, he's doing stuff. I'm not busy. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, uh, he, he doesn't want any Facebook messages, so don't try and find him on there. We were just <laughs> chatting about that. Like, I've lost control of Facebook. Like, if you send me a message, basically. Game over. I'm, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with it. I, I spend no time there. So... <laughs> Um, cool. Well, thanks a lot, Rob. Really appreciate it. And, uh, maybe right. If people dig this, uh, let us know in the uh, comments and stuff like that. And then maybe we do some, uh, like one-off conversations on topics like we did for the, the thousand day rule. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Doug. Thank you. Thanks a lot to Rob Atkinson. It was really good catching up, man. And I'm pretty sure we will have Rob back on. You know, shoot me a message if you you liked hearing the conversation with Rob and I. We're going to move on to some Q&A. So I do have a voicemail number that you can leave a voicemail on. It's in the description and show notes there so you can check it out. At this point, we're at 100% um, like anyone who calls in, like you make it on the air. So a little piece of advice, you should write down what you want to say beforehand and then edit it down a little bit and make sure it's really clear in your mind what you're going to say before you call in. The danger is that you will take too long to get to your point. So the ideal length is about one minute plus or minus 30 seconds. So if you need to give like extra information or anything like that, you could send an email to frame the context. But at the point where the voicemail is full, right? Uh, it takes, I guess there's a three minute capacity. If you hit that capacity, you've taken a little bit too long to get to the point. So I've edited this one down a little bit. And this is from a longtime friend of the podcast and YouTube, Amin. And Amin uh, sort of lays out some of what uh, his experience has been. He pays some compliments, so we'll play that, of course. And I'm going to hop in and, again, sort of edit this down. And he has three distinct, specific uh, sort of questions. So we'll hit all of those. Hello, Doug. Uh, This is Amin. I'm uh, from Morocco. And uh, I really love your uh, podcast. It it has been a go-to podcast for me, especially when, when I'm... And I'm the car going to work. So uh, I'm leaving the voicemail uh, and I have like three questions if you don't mind. So the first question, so first of all, excuse my English. This is not my first language. I'm just doing my best here. 
Thanks a lot. I mean, I definitely appreciate that and all the compliments and stuff. So it's great to hear that. And um, your English is, is pretty darn good. We could totally understand what you're trying to say. So let's uh, push on with the question here. So the first question is about my uh, main site that I'm working on actively right now. So it is a hobby website. Uh, last month, uh, it hits uh, uh, $560 from Amazon. And this is my best month ever. Uh, and uh, most of the success I had is uh, also because of you. I mean, that's uh, amazing. You know, a lot of people don't ever reach that point. A lot of people never get started. So the fact that you've hit that level of revenue is amazing. So keep up the good work. So the site right now is uh, 10 months old and the traffic is about uh, 20,000 page views in the last 30 days. So my question is, at this point, uh, since I didn't do any link building whatsoever, should I probably uh, focus on link building at this point? All right. So Mean is getting about 20,000 visitors per month. He's making something like $550, $560 over the last um, month anyway. And the question is whether or not he should write more content. I think he has you know, a lot more keyword ideas, a lot more content ideas. And I actually, I'm interested to what the audience, I'm interested in hearing about what the audience thinks. So l- let me know, like leave a comment or, you know, shoot me an email at doug.show or sorry, feedback at doug.show. But basically Amin is wondering like, should he build any links? He's done zero link building at this point. My answer is you should build links. You have uh, quite a bit of content at this point, And I think um, something like, I can't remember how many posts you said you had, but you have quite a few posts. You have a lot more content in mind, but if you have no links, you're really artificially limiting yourself. So, I mean, I know you watch a lot of my videos, you read a lot of the blog content as well. And I mean, you can get away with not building any links, but if you build links, it's like pouring gas on the fire. All else being equal, if you have some competitors out there that are building links and you are not, they're probably going to beat you. Now, if you start building links, that's a good thing. So you should build links. You spent uh, quite a bit of time. I think you said the site was 10 months old. So you spent quite a bit of time like laying a foundation of content. And I really think you've made a mistake um, by not doing any link building along the way. You should be doing like a little of both, right? The whole time content and promoting that content, whether it's, you know, reaching out to people and letting them know or actually doing guest posts. So that is uh, question one. Question two, I'm just going to summarize here because um, it's throughout a few other voicemails. And frankly, it takes a long time to edit that sort of stuff down. And I will just summarize for you. So number number two from Amin is whether or not he should start another site. And it goes a little deeper than that. So he found a niche. He believes it's sort of a smaller kind of uh, niche compared to others. I don't know what they are, by the way. And Amin has found an expired domain from, you know, the mid-2000s or something like that, like 2005. And he feels like the content is was good when he looked at the Wayback Machine And he thinks maybe this would be a good way to skip the Google sandbox and buy the expired domain. So the question is mainly, should he buy the expired domain? Will it help him skip the sandbox? The answer is generally maybe. All right. So I haven't personally done this, but I've talked to a lot of people who have. The the fact that you're getting an expired domain that has existing links going to that site Um, can be a really good thing. You potentially can skip the sandbox. However, it's very important that you make sure that there's like not any sort of spam issue or penalty or anything like that that exists with an expired domain. So you mentioned that you looked at the content on the site via the Wayback Machine, which is a fine way to check. So you made sure it was, you know, legit. You mentioned that it was an e-commerce site back in the day. So that's all cool. That's fine. The main thing you should look at, and I 
conferred with a couple people um, in the last few days about this. So um, actually I talked to Matthew Woodward. Um, so you should check out his, his stuff. I have an interview coming up with him soon. But as far as like checking for spam, the best sort of easiest way to catch most issues with spam on an an expired domain is to look at the anchor text and check out what the anchor text for the links that are pointing to that site. And if the anchor text looks good, then you're probably in good shape. The thing you want to watch out for is like a site that has a ton of, you know, weird backlinks where the anchor text is clearly like spam, right? Clearly a spammy kind of link. You probably want to see, you know, 50% of the anchor text as a branded domain, probably to the homepage, but as long as it's branded, that's a really good sign just in general. And then further, I mean, you want it to be relevant. Uh, This goes without saying, but you want the expired domain to be relevant to the topic. Otherwise it's just sort of random. So that was a uh, question number two. Should you, you know, build this other niche site on an expired domain? And as long as the domain's clean, it's a valid experiment. The thing I will caution you with is I have heard of, this has been a while back, it could be completely isolated, um, but at least two cases where someone bought an expired domain, they were doing all the right things to, you know, build a website on that expired domain and it never like got any traffic ever, right? It never ranked. It ended up being um, probably penalized from back in the day or there was some existing like artifacts out there that were spammy in the eyes of Google or something. Now, this, this was a couple years ago and again, it was just like a story I heard. So I, I don't know if that is more widespread, if it's you know, just that person happened to pick a bad domain or what, but that is, uh, that is what I know. Uh, I have very little experience in that specific area. I know it's a strategy that people use though. And finally, um, since Amin asked the question, um, basically it it really wasn't a question. It was just like, Hey, you should do some work with the authority hacker guys. And, uh, that's Mark and, uh, Gail and they're, they're great. They're very smart. Um, we have been friendly in the past, but we haven't caught up um, in any sort of recent time. But they do great work. And I know we run in a lot of the same circles. We have a lot of common friends and stuff like that. But yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to working with them in some capacity or collaborating. But um, at this point in time, like we haven't talked about it or anything like that. So it's an interesting thought and I'm not sure like from your perspective, I mean, I think you were just, you were thinking, Hey, it'd be really cool if you guys like created something, uh, some piece of content where we could really learn from you guys and that sort of thing. But yeah, I have no idea what that would look like. And yeah, I'm not, um, I'd be open to it. So, uh, Mark Gale, if you reach out to me, um, or if I reach out to you, maybe we come up with some idea, but yeah, super smart guys. If you guys haven't checked out those, uh, podcasts or the blog from authority hacker, which if you're listening to this, chances are, you know, those guys already. So thanks for sending in the questions, Amin. And just remember everyone, if you leave a voicemail and you should do this in your real life as well, you should prepare Um, like before you call up and leave a voicemail, especially if it's going to be published somewhere, just write it down. It kind of helps clear up your thoughts. You could edit things down. You can make sure that you're not going off on a tangent on, you know, things that maybe don't matter. Again, if, if you need to set some context, right, you could send an email where you send me some bullet points. I don't want like a novel or a volume of work or anything like that please. But if you just write down some bullet points, just be concise, right? Like you got to think about who you're sending it to. Now, yes, I know. I've been asking for people to send in voicemails and I uh, commend you, Amin, and some of the other folks that have sent them in where um, you're like, hey, you know what? English is not my first language. I'm going to give it a shot, but you should write it down, edit it down a little bit, set a little timer, and uh, read it out loud. Make sure you're in that around one one minute to 90 second range or so. And then if you're not, edit it down a little bit more. And don't worry. Um, if it sounds like you're reading it, it's probably okay. But you could just sort of um, try to make it sound like your natural uh, voice. But 
you know, don't get in a hurry. Um, but when you write it down, it just keeps you on target. And I've done this for a few um, episodes. Um, I do this on YouTube occasionally. I haven't been doing it as much recently. But I mean, there was a stretch where I basically scripted out the whole thing. And a, like for a podcast, I can sit here and read it and you don't know that I'm reading something. It was due to years of doing presentations for um, work. So I would lead like status calls and different sort of presentations where they no one could see me. No one could tell that I was reading. I was literally, it was much like this, sitting in front of a laptop, talking into headphones or a microphone in this case. And I just would read in a more natural way and no one knew. So after years of doing that, um, I think I've gotten a little bit better to make it sound natural, even when you're reading. So not that I suggest that you have to do that, but just, you know, don't leave me a three minute voicemail. It's hard. It's hard to go through three minutes and edit it down. So I'm just lazy. All right. That's what it comes down to. All right. We're hitting the one hour mark here and I see a telemarketer is calling me on my phone. So we're going to end it here. And thanks again to Rob. If you have any uh, questions for Rob, if you have any questions you want us to answer, like the next time Rob's on, feedback at doug.show. You can call and leave a voicemail, however you want to do it. Um, You know, the email account is open and it's really easy for me to get those ideas in. So have a great day. We'll catch you on the next one.